I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Okay, so welcome back, everybody. So good to see everyone. And of course, I know that we all got out of Mitzrayim, we all got out of Egypt because Pesach is over. And hopefully that means, ladies, that we all got out of the kitchen. (laughs) Or at least uh, we're not in there as much as we have been. Um, Anyway, before I begin the class, and I I am going to speak about uh, Rabbi uh, Wallerstein, Rabbi Zachariah Wallerstein, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, who unfortunately was nifter at the very young age of 64 this past Monday. For those of you who don't know him, it is a huge loss to the Jewish people. Uh, he was a rabbi who dedicated his life to taking kids who were in the gutter, you know, specifically girls, but any type of teenager who literally found themselves in the gutter of life and brought them back to their authentic selves through his organization called Ornava. When we lived in Brooklyn, actually, my daughters and I used to attend his classes. It was in a shul very close to Manhattan Beach where we lived. I think it was on Avenue V or something like that. And we just went to hear him because he was so authentic and so real. And there's so many videos and little clips going around about him and how he helped thousands of kids really uh, be able to climb out of the gutter and make their way back. And, you know, people say that in heaven, he's probably being greeted, uh, not greeted by these kids, but he's going to find out that he has thousands of children, you know, women who went on to, to build beautiful Jewish homes and have children of their own, and all in his merit, and so many other things that we don't even know about him. He actually was a very wealthy man, even though he chose to be a Rebbe uh, in the mornings, and then did business in the afternoon, and he used a lot of his own personal money to build these organizations called Ornava. He built a summer camp for these girls in Utah, Um, And anyway, if you have never heard him, you can listen to him on Torah anytime. And uh, he's really well worth listening to. And we were davening for him. The last class that I gave, actually, before we uh, took a break, was a class that was given by him on chametz and matzah, if you remember. And at that time, we were davening for him to have a refuah. And um, anyway, this class is dedicated to him and to a refuah shalema, to all of those who need a refuah, including Rivka Gittel Bas Yehudis, Liat Gittel Bas Nechama, and anybody else that you have in mind. Okay, so we're going to begin our class, and of course we're going to focus today on the period that we are in right now, the period between Pesach and Shavuot. And this is a holiday which the rabbis teach us actually that Pesach and Shavuot can be looked at as one long holiday. They are bookends, so to speak, of this one long holiday. And the 
days in between Pesach and Shavuot are actually referred to as Cholamoid, right? The intermediate days. So they have a festive feeling to them and they have a certain intensity and illumination that we can um, tap into by using these days properly. So interestingly, the word, the, the name, there are many names for the holiday of Shavuot. We know it was the holiday when we, when we were given the Torah. Uh, Pesach is the idea of us leaving Egypt, of us gaining physical freedom. And Shavuot, of course, is the culmination of everything, which is that we gain spiritual freedom. Because as we know, Egypt was not the last place where the Jews experienced suffering and persecution and enslavement and torture and torment. We've had many physical enslavements since then. But what we got at Mount Sinai was the key to our spiritual freedom that no matter what they do to our bodies, as long as we hold tight to our Torah, we continue on and we experience what we would call spiritual and emotional freedom. So we're heading towards Shavuot, which has another name, as I said, which is called Atzeret, which means the end or a stop. So Shavuot represents the end of this whole period of Pesach and Shavuot, which again is, is connected by these days that we're in right now. And I just want to sort of preface what we're going to talk about today by going back to the concept of matzah. You know, matzah, which is so central to the holiday of Pesach. And the message of matzah is, and I'm sure many of you spoke about this at your own Siddharam, that matzah has this dual meaning. It has this dual symbolism. On the one hand, matzah is called lechem oni, the poor man's bread. You know, the rabbis tell us that this is what we ate while we were in Egypt. What slave has time or luxury to wait for his bread to rise? So we ate matzah, symbolic of our slavery. It's called the bread of affliction. And yet this very same matzah we know has this meaning of being the bread of our freedom. It's the bread that didn't have time to rise when we were rushing out of Egypt, when God said, it's time, let's go, move it. And we were leaving. So this matzah is the bread of our freedom. We, we mentioned in other classes last year or the year before that matzah is also called the medicinal food, the bread of healing. So what I want to put forth here is the idea, which we all know, but we need to remind ourselves of, that the suffering and the challenges and the lows in life, if we approach them properly, are really the stepping stones and the opportunities to developing our relationship with Hashem, but more than anything else, developing and getting to know and develop ourselves into our authentic self. And through those challenges and through those journeys and through those seemingly dark times, the light is there mixed in with the darkness. And it's our job and our task to extract the light and use it to become 
great individuals, each one of us, through the challenges that come our way. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a coach, uh, a coach, if anybody would like my services, whatever, you can let people know. But right now I'm, I'm dealing with a woman who's gone through a lot of trauma. This is what um, people told me about her before I actually met her. And I started doing a little bit of research on trauma, PSTD, post PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And what I kind of understood is that, you know, life is full of trauma. There isn't anybody who doesn't go through trauma of one kind or another. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the writings about trauma are that there's something called post-trauma. And post-trauma is basically the time when you're supposed to take your trauma and turn it around, sort of take a look at it, turn it around and change the way you think about it again, so that the trauma actually becomes the thing that catapults you to becoming a greater human being, becoming more of who you can be. And of course, as I said, you know, I'm not, nobody should compare their traumas to each other. Obviously, there are traumas that are the size of the Holocaust. And then there's little traumas like stubbing your toe, right? I mean, these are the extremes. But, you know, I always like this joke. What's the, what's the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? Anybody ever hear this one before? What's the difference between major surgery and min minor surgery? Mine is major. Okay. You know, when it's happening to you, it's major. I wanted to mention that, I don't know, I don't listen to the radio often, but I turned it on and I actually um, tuned into an interview. Maybe you've heard of this man. His name is Terry Crews, C-R-E-W-S. Marlene, you heard of him? Anyway, he is a man who just wrote a book called Tough. It's a memoir. I was so taken by him and the interview that, I, you know, it was one of those things where you don't get out of the car and you sit in your driveway until it's over because it was such a, it was a story that really talks about how tough his life was. And he really grew up in the gutter of life as a black kid in a drug infested neighborhood with no opportunities, with an alcoholic father and literally how he speaks is just so in line and in sync with Jewish thought. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Nissim Black, but he was a rapper who became an Orthodox Jew. And of course, this man didn't become a Jew, but the stories are similar in that they grew up in a similar type of background and they took their lemons and they made lemonade out of it and rose to the top of their game. So just something, uh, if you want to take a look at it. And I just also wanted to mention while I'm here that I'm hoping to start a new podcast um, slash video, which is going to be interviewing people. And it's going to be titled Coming Home or The Journey Home. And I'm basically going to be interviewing ordinary people with extraordinary stories of you know, how they took the journey home. And of course, one of the themes that comes up will be that sometimes people hit rock bottom in order to be able to come back up. Interestingly, there's a quote 
Do I have it here? By Winston Churchill. And this is another theme that comes up a lot when you talk to people about their stories. Um, he says, well, if I don't have it here, one second. Yes, he says, people occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing happened. So the stories of the people that I'm going to be interviewing are people who stumbled upon the truth and looked it straight in the face and took up the challenge of trying to follow that inner voice that led them back to their Jewish soul and to Judaism, etc. Okay, um, so we're talking about Sphira Saomer, and we're talking about today the mitzvah of counting. Every single day now between Pesach and Shavuot, we have 49 days, and we have a mitzvah to count the days. All right. We have a mitzvah to count the days. And in the Torah, it tells us specifically, lachem, and you should count lachem for yourself. This is a mitzvah that nobody else can do for you. This is a mitzvah that each person has to do individually. It's not like Kiddush or Hamotzi, where someone else can say the bracha and you say amen, and, you know, it's as if you did it. The Torah is telling us that each person has to do this individually. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the significance of that. But the first thing I want to talk about, number one, is why do we count these days? And I want to look at the word um, lisaper or lispor, which means to count. Lisaper means to tell a story. And the different meanings of the word or the shorish of the word, siper or sefer, if you like. I wrote it out here if you can see it. Whoa. Or if you change the vowels, it's lispor, which means to count. Lisaper means to tell a story. So it's interesting that where we have this mitzvah of talking, right? The mouth, the mouth speaks. We have a mitzvah to tell the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Whoever tells the story, right, over and over again, the more is he to be praised. The longer we sit at our seders, we, you know, the kids go back to school. What time does your seder end? What time does your seder end, right? We talk the most. We were up the longest. Because we have this mitzvah of seeing yourself as if you came out. And the way you do this is by speech, by reliving it, by creating the images, by throwing the plagues around the table, right? By making it real again. And interestingly, the Jews leave Mitzrayim and we go to the Midbar. And the Midbar is the word Midaber. There's the word to speak again. So we have this theme about speech. And interestingly, right, the Rasha in the Haggadah, the wicked son, what are we supposed to do to him after he speaks? We're supposed to knock his teeth out. It says, knock him in the mouth, right? 
course, if you don't have any teeth, you can't talk. So, you know, that's considered to be the antithesis of what Pesach is all about and what this mitzvah of speech is. So we know that this word lisaper means to speak. What I want to tell you today is that there's an idea in um, and, and uh, extraction of wisdom from the Torah is that letters which sound alike can be exchanged to give a deeper meaning. So we know that the letters in Lissapir, sorry, are Samach Peresh, but since Samach sounds like sin, okay, you can take the sin and replace it with the Samach. And since sin and shin are really the same letter, so we get, instead of lissa pir, we get, sorry, one sec, lisha pir. Okay, and the word lisha pir means to improve oneself from the word shofar, right? We blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah as a wake-up call. Wake up, examine your deeds, improve yourself. So again, lisa pir can be interchanged with Lishapair, which is telling us again that these are optimum days in which we can improve ourselves, in which we can literally crawl out of the muck of Mitzrayim. We know that we were on the 49th level of Tumah when we left, of spiritual impurity. And every day now, we're not just climbing out of there, but we're climbing up. By counting the Omer, there's this magical thing that happens. It's a metaphysical thing. We can't understand it logically, but literally every single day, depending on the, um, you know, the tikkun of that day, of that mida, of that impurity that we, that's attached to us, right? In terms of bad midot or or, or negative ways of thinking, we leave that behind every day and then we rise up to the level of purity, okay? So this is something, again, we're going to talk about. But I wanted to talk about something that I, I've never heard before and I think it's a beautiful idea. The idea, again, of why each one of us has to count. Nobody can do this mitzvah for you. So when we left Mitzrayim, we left as a klal. A klal meaning we left as a group as a people. Of course, every individual made the decision to leave, right? Because we know that Rashi that says that four-fifths of the Jewish people remained behind. So there was an individual decision that I'm, I'm taking this journey. I'm leaving it all behind. I'm going out into the wilderness. I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust Hashem based on his previous performance in Egypt and I'm heading out. But we were still heading out as a group. And the reason that, you know, we were a group is we were clinging together as these battered slaves, unified by the fact that we had a common enemy. We were taken out, goy mi of goy is the Lushan. One nation extracted from another nation. So it was a unity born out of fear, not out of simcha, and not, about, not necessarily about each person really knowing or being developed as an individual. 
But what happens when we leave Egypt and in this time period we're in, we're in now, this is the time where Hashem is saying you came out as a group, but now each one of you has to count for yourself the days. Nobody can do it for you because the focus now is on individual development as you're heading up to Mount Sinai. You need to develop yourself. You need to recognize your own strengths and your own weaknesses. You need to focus in again on your mission, on what it means to be a Jew in this world, on what it means to travel from darkness to light, from physical and mental and emotional enslavement to freedom, true freedom, freedom of the mind, freedom of the soul, of the ability to choose what I'm going to think, where I'm going to go in life, my choices. This is something now that you have to do yourself. You all, now each of these group, this group of slaves now have to become who you are individually. And interestingly, this is the pattern. We go from klal, meaning as a group, to these 49 days, which is focused on you, the individual, right? Everybody says, don't just count the days, make the day count, or not just that, understand that you count, you matter, right? That only you can count the day. And then we come back together. We know on Shavuos, we're all gathered together to receive the Torah again as a group, but it's not the same group anymore. It's a group of individuals who have developed themselves individually. Rashi says that we were there at Mount Sinai right? Like one man with one heart. In other words, we were unified. And it was a different types of, type of unity now. Because first of all, the word ish is always the word used of somebody of importance, somebody who's developed themselves. And through the counting of spheros Omer and working to improve ourselves, l'shaper, l'shaper, right? We learn of our own importance, and now we join together in a higher unity of knowing who we are, not of being pushed together because of some outside fear, right? And we see this as an example, right? We know that whenever there's a war in Israel, people who are there, people will tell you, Israelis will tell you, you know, everybody bands together. Nobody cares which camp you belong to, what your politics are, what you're wearing, which lavush you've got on, what color kippah you're wearing. Everybody feels like they're in this together. And that is a type of unity. But it's a lower type of unity than the one that we achieve, so to speak, on Shavuos, right? When we come together after having each one of us recognize how intrinsically important we are and that each one of us has to do the work and the job of developing ourselves so that when we come back together again right this unity is a different kind of unity it's the unity of harsina it's the unity of knowing who we are it's the unity that comes from the strength that torah gives us right 
At the end of benching, we say, Hashem owes le'amo yitain, right? Hashem will give strength to his people. And the strength that we're talking about is the strength of the Torah, right? Hashem yibarech es amo shalom. Hashem will bless his people with peace. Our strength comes from Torah. It comes from knowing who we are, that each one of us is an or, a light, or la goyim, as a, as a unit. And this is what leads to ultimate unity. Unity that comes from having done the hard work of building yourself and knowing your purpose, okay? And using, again, your challenges and difficulties and falls to propel you upward towards your purpose. Because all of those things are all part of God's way of relating to us, pointing us in the direction of what we, each one of us specifically, needs to fix, what our mission is, what our purpose is. Another example is that Sfirsa Omer can be likened to the process of individualization. You know, it starts when the kid is two years old, right? And the kid says, you know, no, no, no. And that's the first word they seem to learn, right? And then I always say, and then you get to teenagers who are just two-year-olds in bigger bodies and much scarier, right? But they're doing the same thing. They're pushing away in order to be able to say, I've got to find out who I am. I don't want to be you. I don't want to be a carbon copy of you as much as you'd like me to be, right? I've got to be me. And so this is what was happening in this period of Sirisa Omer, this individualization, until we come back in Shavuos, almost like we come back to the family. Now we come back and we identify with the larger family. We find our place in it now as an authentic self, not just doing because our parents told us to, or not just because this is the way it's always been done, but because we created ourselves during this time period of counting. I always like to quote Rabbi Fagenbaum. I believe, you know, he was the high school uh, principal for many years and founder of Tiferes Yisrael. And he used to say that the, the worst teenagers become the best adults. So he was giving uh, mothers hope, parents hope, you know, that the kids that seem to be pushing away most and really trying to individuate can often come back to become the best adults. Okay, so what I want to do now is, you know, just again, having Rabbi Wallerstein in mind, you know, what came to mind for me after hearing of his really young death and everybody thinking how much more he could give to the Jewish people and how his life was cut short. I just kept thinking about, again, the power of one. And that that's really the idea of these days. And what a person like Rabbi Wallerstein's Zatzal makes a person feel is, am I really doing enough? How much more could I do? Here's one man who did so much for thousands of people. And one of the things they highlighted is he was such a good family man too. His children and his wife didn't suffer because he was out saving the world. 
somehow he was able to balance it all. So the power of one. So I'm gonna speak now based on a class by a teacher in Israel called, her name is Shoshi Nissenbaum. And there's a group every morning that meets, by the way, a Nishmat Kolchai group. I don't know if you've heard of it. Every morning they have a different speaker. So once in a while I tune in and I'm just gonna share with you some of what I learned from her. So first of all, the month that we're in, we're in the month of ER. Everybody, there's ER. See it? Okay. And ER is called the second month in the Torah. Because we know that Nisan, we have two Rosh Hodeshes on the calendar. We have Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah, which we call the beginning of the year. But then we say that Nisan is also the beginning of the year because that's when we became a nation. Okay? So ER is the second month after, after Nisan. And there's only, by the way, all the names of the month are Persian. They're Persian names, except for three of the months, which have another name that comes from a Torah source. And one of these months is ER, okay? Tishrei has a second name. It's called Chodesh Esanim, which means the month of the giants. And it's referring to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov who were born in the month of Tishrei. Um, Heshvan has another name. It's called Chodesh Bul, referring to the Mabul, to the flood that happened in the time of Noah. It happened in the month of Heshvan. And the only other month that has another name is this month, Iyar, which is called Chodesh Ziv, which means the month of radiance, of splendor. And the Gemara in, in Rosh Hashanah says, this is called the month of the radiant ones. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel. Okay, and here you have the acronym of their name in the month ER. You see that? Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Rachel. So I'm sure there's a lot Kabbalistically to why Rachel, for example, is part of the four. But that's not my topic for today. But what it does say in the Gemara in Maseches Chagiga is this month is connected to them, not because they were born in this month, but because Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Rachel are called the chariots of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A chariot is something, obviously, that carries something. Right, And so, in a sense, these four carry the divine presence of Hashem that shines in a way that is different than all other times of the year. And they carry this in this month, which is primarily the month where we're counting the Omer, right? We begin counting the Omer in Nisan, we end in Sivan, but the primary part of the counting is in Iyar. Now we have an expression, Maisa Avo Siman Labanim, that the deeds of our forefathers are signs for their children. So, what is this telling us in this time? It's saying that the same way our forefathers and foremothers became who they were because they explored themselves, because they got to know who they are and their strengths, and they overcame their weaknesses and their challenges and their difficulties. 
and they discovered their potential. You know, there's a little clip going around by Rabbi Wallerstein where he says, what's the tragedy of death? And it was amazing that, you know, this clip is something he talked about, obviously, years before he died. But he said, what is the tragedy of death? Why do we cry and sit on the floor and tear our clothes when Sadiqim died? Great people. Forget about ordinary people. Great people who did mitzvahs their whole life, who were righteous. We should be having a party, he says. They're going to this wonderful place. They're going to cash in all their mitzvahs. Why are we crying? And basically his message is because the great tragedy of death is the end of potential. You cannot do anything anymore. And the greater a person was, and he mentioned Rabbi Akiva, the more they saw death as tragic because I could have done one more mitzvah. And that's the tragedy. And so the idea is that this month is the month of these great people who shine and are the chariot. And what we learn from them is not that we have to be them, but we have to go on the journey that they went on to find themselves and to be able to radiate their potential, their Kedusha to the entire world. They brought down each one of them, their unique light into the world. And just interestingly, for those of you who probably know this, we know that Avraham's uniqueness was chesed, kindness. Yitzchak was gevura, strength, discipline, right? Yaakov we call Tiferis because he was the synthesis of chesed and, and gevura because the middle path is called Tiferis or truth, which means splendor or radiance, right? And interestingly, I just heard that the imahot, the women, the mothers, the foremothers, were the counterparts to each of the Avot. In other words, if Avraham was Chesed, Sarah was Gevura. Always the idea of the balance. You know, not to be too extreme in your kindness so that you don't know when to be cruel, to be kind, when to say no. That's Gevura. Don't always say yes. Learn how to say no. And when you get the right balance, right, that's called truth. That's called Titain Emes Liyakov, that's called Tiferes. The balance is beautiful. And so, you know, Rivka, Yitzchak was Gevura, Rivka was Chesed. And interestingly, Yaakov, we know, married two wives, right? Rachel and Leah. So Rachel was Chesed, sorry, Rachel and Leah are Chesed and Gevura, which is obviously, you need both of them to 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 be the Yaakov, to be Tiferes, to be truth, to find that balance. So all of our Avot and Imahot brought their special light in the world. And every day that we count, this is a time for us to bring our special light in the world. If you don't say it, you can't have somebody else do the mitzvah for you. And it's such an easy mitzvah, really. All you have to do, and you know whether you say the bracha or you don't, is count the day. Hayom right? Today is the 18th day of the Omer. And there's some beautiful prayers that talk about, you know, whatever impurities or things that I need to fix on this day, 
may the fact that I counted this day and its um, special, you know, element, special power, may this, the fact that I counted rectify, be a tikkun for all the ways that I don't manifest this trait. So it's really wonderful. And we, we don't understand how powerful it is, again, because it's a metaphysical transformation that can take place within us if we tap into and utilize these days also to do the hard work of improvement. You know, the um, sign for this month, the horoscope sign is a shore, an ox. An ox is a symbol of a hardworking animal, strength. So it's not that we just count and we don't have to work on ourselves. We, we have to lift up hair and we also have to lift up hair, right? We also have to work to climb up the mountain to improve, to take, so to speak, the revelation that we saw in Egypt and the revelation that we saw when the sea split and every Jew was raised up to this level of a prophet. And then God says, okay, let's go into the Midbar, the place of desolation, the place of no growth. And now I want you in the Midbar to get back there yourself. You saw it. You saw your potential. You came face to face with your truth. And like Winston Churchill said, most people will walk away from it. Only the few will make the climb and take the challenge. But we owe it to ourselves. So another interesting thing is that the word usafartim, and you should count, also has the word sapir in it. Samat peresh, which means sapphire. It's the word sapphire, sapir. Same letters. What's the connection? So we know that the first tablets were made out of sapphire. The Torah tells us they were carved out of sapphire stone. So when you count, when you tell your own story, when you realize that it's your narrative and your story that counts, that only you can you know, shine your light, your specific light, and you're not living vicariously through others, or you're not busy comparing yourself to other people, then what you're doing is you're allowing the sapphire of the lujo to shine into the world. It becomes clouded, it becomes dim, but behind that dimness is the ability to shine it up again, to shine your light. And that's how we prepare to receive the Torah, right? We say, Hashem, give us our portion in your Torah. Each one of us has a specific portion, so to speak. Each one of us, the sages tell us, is another letter in the Sefer Torah. If one letter is missing, if one letter is blemished, it's not a kosher Torah. It's not complete. We need every single Jewish soul. All of our souls were there at Har Sinai, right? And this is our opportunity, again, to return to that clarity that we once had. So how do we shine our Torah into the world? So one of the examples this uh, 
teacher gave is that when you ask a question, you know, she gave an example. She said she was once teaching a 14-year-old girl who wanted to know uh, whether if a woman whistles, if that's considered singing. In other words, we know that there is a halacha of kol isha, that a man is not supposed to listen to a woman's voice, right? Of course, you know, there's all kinds of questions you could ask in it. Does it is it a live voice? Is it somebody on the radio? What if you don't know them? What if you, you know, it, whatever. But the point is, the halacha is that a man is not supposed to listen to a woman's voice singing. So this girl asked, what about if she's whistling? Are you allowed to listen to her whistling? Interesting question. And of course, the teacher said, I didn't know the answer, but I asked a rav, and this rub didn't know the answer, and he asked his rub. And it turned out that this rub ended up writing a sefer on all kinds of questions. And this 14-year-old girl's question was part of the sefer. I don't, she didn't give me the answer about whether you can or you can't. But the point is, is that she says, even when you ask a question, what you're doing is you're bringing Torah into the world. When you share a Torah thought with somebody, you're bringing Torah into the world. You're shining a light. You're illuminating the Torah, okay? Each one of us does it differently. You know, it says in Pirkei Avos, which by the way, Pirkei Avot, the Mishnah, which is all about improving ourselves, we have a custom now to read it between these weeks of Pesach and Shavuot. There's six chapters, and they correspond for the seven weeks, and they tell us how to be a better person right? And, and one of the things that it says there is that don't make your prayer fixed. Don't make it rote. And what that's telling us is each one of us, we may say the same words from the sitter, but when Marlene says them, and when I say them, or when Penny says them, or Sally or Shelly, or Sarah, right? I'm talking to the people whose faces I see, you know, um, going to be different, because each one of us is different. Each one of us is at a different place in our story. Each one of us has different emotions that come up with those words, different thoughts, different ways they relate to our lives, whatever we're going through at the time. No two prayers are the same. Don't make it fixed. Don't make it blah, 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 blah. Make it real. Make it who you are. So... The Arizal says that the essence of the month of ER is in thought. It's about changing and fixing our thoughts. Our thoughts about ourselves. Our thoughts about who we think we are. Our limiting thoughts that still imprison us, that still keep us in Mitzrayim. And, you know, we all know that there's a Parsha called Lech Lecha and a Pasuk a verse in the Torah where God tells Avraham, the first Jew, lech lecha. And we know those words mean, go to you. Go for you. Lech lecha. And the rabbis ask, why do we need that second word, lecha? Why doesn't he just say lech, go? But that second word, lecha, is saying, it's not enough to just go, to leave Mitzrayim physically. You've got a lech lecha. You've got to go to you. You've got to discover who you are. This is a journey inward. This is a more difficult journey, the journey inward. It's full of all kinds of 
challenges and difficulties, but that's what you have to do. Go away from all the things that tell you what you are and what you're supposed to be. Facebook, Instagram, social media, telling us what you should want, what you should wear, what you should think. So busy impressing other people. So busy feeling sad about supposedly everybody else's life that looks so wonderful and so great, right? Putting on facades, living for what others think. This is the idea of Spirisa Omer is to go inward. Move away from that. Go inside yourself. Because when you measure yourself according to yourself, right? There's no nobility in being superior to another person. True nobility comes in being superior to your previous self. I don't know who said that, but I wrote it in my diary. I was 14 years old or something like that. Yeah. Another thing I wrote, I don't know who said it. There, there are those who demand everything at once without any idea of growing and becoming. And this is the phase that we're in right now. Move away from that and go inside yourself. Don't compare yourself to others physically and spiritually, right? Even spiritually, people can get into, you know, think that Judaism is a competitive sport, you know? Who's firmer than who? You know, who's more religious? Who looks more religious? So we have to be very careful. It's also not a passive sport. Judaism is not a passive sport. It's okay, my rabbi's religious. I don't have to do anything. As long as he says the bracha, it's okay. You know, let him do it. He'll take care of it. He can be holy. No, this week's Parsha, every single Jew is supposed to be holy. Every single Jew is a rabbi and a rabbitson, right? You can't go to heaven and say, well, you know, I had a rabbi. He did everything. I think it was good for me. You know, he counted the Omer. You have to do it. You have to do it. And where do you start? You start where you are. You start wherever you are and you begin to develop yourself. You know, even before we come into this world, Kaddish Baruch who takes our neshama and he sends it into the world. And guess what? The neshama says, no, I don't want to go. Don't make me go down there. I don't want to go. There's a beautiful song by A.B. Rotenberg where the, the, the neshama, each one of our souls says to the malach that's sending us into the world, Dear Malafal, no, I don't want to go. There's so much pain and evil on the earth below. Let me stay here up in heaven where it's safe and I'll be pure. Please don't make me go away. Don't you see I'm so afraid? So we already start bulking against God even when we're still in the Shema. Because the Shema sees its mission so clearly. And his greatest fear is that it won't accomplish it because it's so hard or it seems so hard or there's so many distractions and there's so many, the Yetzirah is going to get me. I won't be able to fulfill my mission. And God says, you have to go. You have to go to yourself. Don't pay attention to all the externals and all the distractions that pull you this way and that. You have to become a great person by being true to your authentic self. And 
I just want to end, and even though there's more to say, but I want to end here again by telling you a little bit about the incredibleness of this Rabbi Zacharia Shimon Wallerstein, Zecher Tzadik Livracha, whose body was flown to Israel and who thousands of people are crying over, especially these girls who he really took out of the gutter and raised up to themselves. And one of the things I heard this morning is that Rabbi Wallerstein asked to be buried with his talus bag. And people were scratching their heads. This is not something that is generally done. And this woman who told the story said that if you zoom in on his talus bag, you will find piercings, nose rings, all kinds of different jewelry, tongue rings that he was given by the girls that he rejuvenated. And he has them all over his talus bag. And that's what he wanted to be buried with. Okay, now, then I clicked on another thing, which was Rabbi Wallerstein telling the story of the tongue ring. And of course, he's telling the story years before he was sick, years before he knew of his impending death, young death at 64 years old. And the story goes like this. He said there was this girl named Abby who'd come over to the house and he has, he has, he has five girls himself. Rabbi Wallerstein was a Kohen. He didn't have any sons to pass on the Kohenship to, sadly, but he has five daughters and wonderful children and grandchildren. But anyway, this girl was over at the house, Abby, and she had a tongue ring in her mouth, <laughs> you know? And he said to her, oh, Abby, come on. How can you handle that thing in your mouth? It's disgusting. And, you know, it must get in your way all the time. And, and you know, when you eat, eat, drink something cold or you drink something hot, like it must feel terrible. Come on, take out that tongue ring. Give me that tongue ring, right? And Abby said to her, no, no, I won't, Rabbi Wallerstein. You don't understand. This tongue ring makes me who I am. This tongue ring makes me different than everybody else, and it makes me feel special. So Rabbi Wallerstein said he had $500 on him. And, you know, he doesn't always have it, but he had 500 bucks on him. He said, Abby, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you, and he said this girl had nothing. Financially, she was literally in the sewer, okay? He said, Abby, I'll give you 500 bucks. And you got to hear him talk because he's a real Brooklyn bravo. Okay, I'll give you 500 bucks. Give me the tongue ring, right? He said, you know, I'll dip it in the mikvah. I'll purify it, you know, but I'll give it to me. And she goes, no, I'm not giving it to you because this is who I am. You don't understand, Rabbi. This is who I am. Anyway, he says a few months later, he met her on Tisha B'Av. And then he met her again on Simcha's Torah. And they were walking home from shul together. And she still had that tongue ring in her mouth. And he says to her, listen, Abby, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you another deal. Okay. Give me the tongue ring. And you know what I'm going to do with it, Abby? I'm going to take your tongue ring and I'm going to put it on my talus bag. And he says in this clip, and he says, and one day, you know, when I die, and I hope it's not going to be soon, 
I'm going to be buried with this talisman, with your tongue ring on it. And he said, but you know what? Every day when I go to shul three times a day with my talus bag and your tongue ring on it, I'm going to be thinking of you. I'm going to be thinking of Abby, what a special person she is. And I'm going to be davening for you. And you know what? Abby said, okay, Rabbi, close your eyes and hold out your hand. And I'll send this on the chat for people who want to hear him tell it because it's much better than me. But he said, no, nah, I'm not closing my eyes. I don't want to close my eyes. It's too scary. Just I'll hold out my hand. And she takes the tongue ring out and she drops it into his hand. And he says, <clears throat> you know, this is going on my talus bank. And basically what she was doing is she was saying, I'm giving up who I think I am, what I think makes me special, what I think is my identity, and I'm trading it in for something else. Anyway, you know, we're not all Abbeys, and we're certainly not, God willing, hopefully, as extreme as the place that she was in. But each one of us, you know, during this time period of counting the Omer, we can all climb out of whatever muck it is that we are in or that we become comfortable in or that we believe <laughs> is part of our identity, that we believe is inseparable from who we are. And, and, the, and the rabbis tell us and all of the, you know, holy writings and the mystical writings and the Kabbalah, etc., tell us that this is the time when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who we celebrate on Lagba Omer, gave the world the Zohar, the Kabbalistic teachings. And the theme of the entire Zohar is God's love for every single Jewish soul. And God's support during these 49 days of us to return to our true essence and who we really are. So that when we build ourselves individually, we can come to Shavuot as a unit and be so much greater because each one of us has done the work of creating ourselves during this time period. So I wish us all success in this endeavor. And day by day, little by little, step by step, that's what it's all about. It's not about huge jumps. It's not about skipping rungs on the ladder and then sliding down. It's about one small act every day that's different. That's extending yourself a little more. That's making that call to that friend you haven't spoken to or that person that's all alone. That's reaching out to somebody who always annoyed you in life, who had difficulty with. And I tell you, I'm doing that myself right now. I'm going to a very close family member that I've always kind of pushed away for whatever reasons, for lots of good ones. You know, I've got lots of good ones. <laughs> but I've said like, why? Turn on the compassion. Turn on the empathy. Say, you know what? This person maybe can't help it. They're ADHD, they're this, they're that. They never had, you know, whatever it is, give them, cut them some slack because we all know that the more slack we cut other people, 
the more slack Hashem gives us. To the degree that you judge others favorably and you give them the benefit of the doubt and you let it go, Hashem does exactly measure for measure the same with us. So that's our homework. And that's what each one of us in whatever area of your life it is, need to be looking at and working on, stretching ourselves, climbing the mountain day by day, little by little, one little small thing. It means so much. Okay, ladies. Hatzlacha and have a wonderful week. And God willing, I'll see you next week. Thanks for coming. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That was awesome. Nice thank you. Thank you, Devorah. That was Bye. awesome. Okay, take Thank care. You. Bye. Great. Okay. Bye. All the best.